I had to like yeah. go, go to the bank and the first bank I went to did nothing to help me. It's like, no, you have to call this number and speak to them instead. And I'm like, I'm speaking to you in Japanese in person now. Have you any idea right. how much harder that is on the phone one? And two, I'm not giving, even if it's your official number on the card, I'm not saying all of my credit card information over a yeah, fucking no. phone line. No. Though I went to go into my local branch, which was actually a lot more friendly, but then it came to the Incarn issue. So Japan still basically has medieval fucking seals that they use for everything. Yeah. Um, all for, like, postage and stuff. Just for, just instead of a signature a lot of the time, they just fucking require yeah. it. And I'm like, this seems like a huge security liability. Like, somebody gets this and they can pass off as you. Oh, wow. Player 2 Pixelcast episode 95. I'm your host, Tim Henderson, back from our weird whirlwind of mixing episodes and numbers and everything around because packs happened and on off on off doesn't work when I'm not in the country and I cannot host those ones so now I'm on odd numbers and I suspect it's just a big conspiracy by Huso so that he will get to host episode 100 um he's not even here right now he's like buggered off to Singapore and um yeah Robbie's also not here he was gonna be here but he's buggered (laughs) off to no internet land so yeah but you should all be very happy because you know you now get the Tim and Cat show hey Cat yeah hey how you going yeah, and that's it. I'm going to keep this short, sweet, talk about handheld games, which is probably appropriate because oh, you're yes. probably probably listening to this while on a train or something anyway. That seems to be how it goes. Um, but, you know, before that, games, games that you can play, games that you can probably play now or even could have played probably a week ago at this rate. Uh, and, you know, yeah. you're gonna, we'll, <laughs> we'll work our way into the future. So, um, Kat, you've been playing um, Cult of the Lamb. I did not even actually ask which version you've been playing so much. Um, been I have it on Switch. So, Appropriate. <laughs> well, I have it on Switch and PS5. So I have it on Switch so I can take it to school with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have it on PS5 and th- then I can play it at home. So, yeah, I have two campaigns going. Okay, so but there's, no, there's, gone, there's no way there's any cross-save between those two. <laughs> no, not at all. But it's just, it's, a, it's good fun. So, like, I like being able to have different options on Switch. And then I've got my own stuff going on on PS5. That's really cool. And it's actually a good enough game to be playing twice simultaneously at the same. <laughs> I like sim simulation games. Any sim game, I'm I'm playing it. Like I'm I'm literally obsessed. And so the fact that I get to mix cults with Sims, yeah, I'll play it on PS5 and Switch. Especially since you know the the, the Sims guy is now going down the dirty dirty NFT hole. So we've got. Oh, is that what happened recently? Will Wright, I think so. Yeah. Oh goodness gracious, that's a bit of a disappointment, isn't it? I've seen this happen with a couple of like old hats who used to be legends in the game industry, who I think are trying to become leg- become relevant again, and all they had to do to be relevant again was maybe just start working on something, and instead they've tried too late to jump on this trendy thing that was already kind of busted before it was trendy. Yeah, yeah, I'm anti NFT. Uh, so if something like that comes up, I, I just lock it out of my think memory. They're going to find that a lot of potential players are. Anyway, that has nothing to do with Cult of the Lamb, unless you're no. Cult of the NFT, perhaps. But <laughs> sure, there's plenty of those. Yeah. So I last I think I checked in, I thought that apparently the Switch version of this still needed a little bit more optimization. Is this thing running okay? It's running fine. I have the older version Switch, so I have like the original. Uh, release version, but yep. um, I haven't. I know there's some patch notes, 
if I have a look correctly. So PC had patch notes, and so did Nintendo, but that was a month ago. So um, well, the game it's a came out bit... way more than a month ago. Is disturbing as time. The most recent is... patch notes, yeah. But um, on PlayStation Five, it runs fantastic. As you would damn well hope. Issues. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, Nintendo, because I only got it like maybe two weeks ago, I haven't really noticed any issues. So I got it after the latest patch notes. So yeah. maybe there were some bugs in the previous version that are now patched. I think so it was a performance hope. issue. I, I mean, I still haven't actually played this. So I'm going to have to ask you to run down the generics of it. But uh, what I'm like worried about is remembering a, like an old beta game. Well, we are talking about a lot of handheld stuff. This is an appropriate episode <laughs> that I've chosen. Um, so there was actually a week. I believe original Wii game called Little King Story, and they like had a Vita version of it that was like super good, and like you'd gradually get more and more people following you around in your kingdom, and it was great for like the first ten hours, but it hit a performance brick wall where I'm like suddenly it just gradually became a slideshow the more shit you had going on. <laughs> like it was just a locked thirty frames, I think at first, and then, but it just like over time it was like twenty eight, twenty eight, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty five, twenty. Oh. Okay, no, 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 this is really choppy now. Oh, wow. So does Call of the Lamb have, yeah. like, a scope? Like, does it get busier, having played the PS5 version for longer, I guess, does it get busier and busier and busier as you're, like, growing your cult, I guess, as you would say? Yeah, because you're, you're building more things, you're farming more things, um, you're doing... So you're, like, um, you going and doing, like, your harvesting and stuff is usually a crusade. So you'll go into a certain area of the forest and you're murdering all these, like, followers of the old the old gods uh, and the old traditions. And so you're collecting bones and meat and... But you're uh, a lamb, so coins. you're... All... But you're a lamb, it's cute. <laughs> you're allowed to be murderous. Um, and then you're also recruiting new followers. And then, so yeah, your like little piece of the forest is getting busier. But there doesn't seem to be any like processing issues uh, on PS5. And I haven't come across any on Nintendo. So it's like working really well. It's running really well. Um, I have actually one thing I have noticed is my transition when I'm in the forest to coming back hmm. will sometimes be a little bit slower. When I'm returning That's back a to loading time after thing, a crusade, though. yeah, it's just a loading time. It's not, um, it's not anything absolutely game breaking. So, I know some purists would be upset by it, but I'm not. Well, you find somebody who's upset about anything. Oh, absolutely. Um. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's so much fun. It's like um, a little bit of Stardew Valley, but you're a murderous. Death yeah, I'm cult. still having trouble. Like, I still actually haven't played this. It's kind of like on my watch list, but I feel like I've missed yeah. the boat enough now that I want to wait for a sale before. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, or I until mean, I'm traveling, because I think this probably would be a Switch. Yeah, I'd pick it up yeah. on Switch. I should have first, um, but I, I think I got it a little bit cheaper on PlayStation. There must have been like a discount. PlayStation Plus bonus discount or something. Yeah, like something on. like that. And so I picked it up there, and then it was like 55 on Nintendo. Or around there. It's worth it. It's, it's, it's oh, good oh I'm, I'm sure it is, but I mean, keep in mind that on my Switch at the moment, I also have an unplayed copy of Hades, so I, like, I have a good... <laughs> oh, God, I haven't even touched Hades yet, so... See? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's 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 the life of being an adult. Well, games have gotten cheaper, it's gotten easier to access, and you've got way less time than you used to have. 
but you can buy heaps more games. You can buy heaps more just be on a subscription service <laughs> that like just piles them onto you and then you're oh, like Oh no. And then and you're, you're like, Oh I wanna try anything. all of these. And then of yeah. course what ends up happening is you like get obsessed with two games over the course of the year. That's sounding and that's all you play. Like Cult of the Lamb is one of them for you if you've literally bought it and are playing it twice. I have problems, okay? And Can you flesh out that Stardew them... Valley comparison? I kind of want to, like, get a description of how this game plays. <laughs> um, because, okay, so I love Stardew Valley. I play it, I play it on Nintendo Switch um, because I like the portability of it. Um, I do have it on PC, but I just don't play it as much as I play my Switch version. But, um, so in Cold of the Lamb, you, you get to set up your crops. So you're deciding where your crops go. You gotta feed those cultists, I guess. You, you need to cook for the cultists, uh, for your followers. You can also feed them um, the meat of other followers, so you can sacrifice... This is a fucked up cult. But I guess, I mean, if it's all lambs, like a little bit of mint sauce, and then... Well, it's kind of like Happy Tree... Um, Happy Tree Friends? Happy Tree Friends. That is... Yeah. A... Do you know what's really disturbing? I bet maybe half of the people listening to this are old enough to even know what we're referring but um, so you like you you are the lamb, but um, your followers are like these cute little um, like animals, like toads and frogs and um, I don't know, like weird animals with like trees. Just cute little forest heads. creatures, I'm guessing. Forest creatures, that's the one. Yeah, and so yeah, you've got to like, but they get in and they help you do everything. So they'll help you build things and they'll help do the crops and they'll go on you can build a missionary and send them on missions to gather things please that tell me like they go in pairs days. in like black suits kind of like <laughs> I was just about to say it feels a little bit more like Mormonism to me no it's just one at a time that can go <laughs> but uh, I thought that was rather funny uh, it feels like the, the, the people that developed this definitely uh, did a lot of research on cults to be honest hmm. so it would be an awkward game to do easter eggs with though because it could be in legitimately bad taste if you did anything <laughs> that was like too winky about stuff that had actually happened in real life like some kool-aid or yeah something. like just a <laughs> jar of kool-aid on the table it's like yeah i mean that's funny but also for some people that could be legitimately traumatizing so yeah there is like um the only kind of i was gonna say the super culty stuff um it's like you can uh, that you grow mushrooms and you can brainwash your followers for two days with them. That's that's just that's just a trip. Yeah, they're just basically on a mushy trip. It's great. So it feels like kind of Charles Manson. This is Australian developed though as well. It's pretty ballsy yeah. of them to like have drug references. Yeah, in a game so released I- in Australia, that's <laughs> usually like a real issue getting it through the ratings board. But I don't know how they I don't know how they would have managed that because it's like if like as an adult it's blatantly obvious. Hmm. Like you grow the mushrooms, you harvest the mushrooms, you go in, you do a ritual called the brainwashing ritual, and then they have spiral eyes for two days. Yeah. Thanks. It it is weird though, like a very like maybe once a year I'll like see something that I watched as a kid or played as a kid or whatever, and will realise it was something clearly sexual or drug fueled or whatever going on in there that even if I was like 13 or 14 just whoop over the head yeah. just straight up just had no idea what was going on so but yeah with, like I think you're right with that about the um the drug reference maybe the Australian classification board's getting nicer to games maybe if it's yes. not in a needle 
Yeah, it's not in a needle. It doesn't say. Or as negative effects, they're literally being they're literally being, <laughs> being brainwashed. <laughs> so it's seen as. So they're like, oh, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, that still has a bad connotation. Let's make them think that brainwashing is good. But um, yeah, it's really good. It's um, it's 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 cute. It's a cute cult game. I've tried to convince my staff room that it's a really good game, and I mean, like they already think I'm chaos. So it's like, what's new? I'm playing a game where I'm a cult leader. I mean, the game was like an unexpected smash for like a couple of weeks, which is Mm. like the equivalent of half a year in game release schedule. Yeah. At PAX, the line for the first day to buy merch was hours long. Hours long. And it all sold out on the first day. That's how much people love it. I mean, good for them. I guess I don't don't get like the merch obsession, (laughs) but... As if you wouldn't want your own little cute lamb in a cult robe and cult crowns. I just don't have anywhere to put that stuff. I <laughs> find room. <laughs> I mean, pretty much the extent of my merch is like here. Like I've got one little capsule toy from Shenmue, and that's pretty much all the merch I keep in the house. That, that's the that's the room that I have. <laughs> this is the space I keep for merch. I've got you know a lot of recycling that needs to go out. Actually, anyway, speaking of things. Actually, no, that is not a segue at all. My brain is completely broken. We're going just from Cult of the Lamb to Cult of the Rat, I guess. Cult of the... Oh, yes! Yeah. Yeah. Um, so apologies to, like, maybe the, I don't know, handful of people who actually watched the review discussion of No More Heroes 3 that I did um, with Adam just before PAX that we kind of, like, I had to, like, cram as much of that game in very short notice because PAX, we had to record early. Nobody was going to be around. Um, whereas, like, I'm going to play more of this and talk about it in the podcast because, like, immediately after that, um, Huso came at me with a PlayStation 5 key for the new Plague Tales. So I kind of like, it's like, alright, now I have this. I've done the content for the other one, I'm kind of obliged to. And also, yeah, I really wanted to play the new Plague Tale. Um, and this kind of like worked yeah. out perfectly with me because I get to talk about it now and I don't have to like push myself the whole way through to write an entire review. <laughs> um, which would so, be. An- um- with that, with the, yeah. the new one, is it a direct sequel to the first or is yep. it like a bit of a retcon? It, 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 nope, it picks up like yeah, probably a few months later, maybe half a year. Oh, okay, excellent. I like So it one. is, yeah, I mean, a lot of people did. I mean, I like the first one, Huso loved it a lot. Um, it was, yeah, if, and so far this is, it is very much a sequel of that game. Like, they're not doing anything yeah. wildly new. So if you, you know, like, the idea of, like, a, um, let's say, linear stealth, very light action game with a setting that is not military angry dad, but instead, like, kids in different parts of, like, old, old-timey old France during a plague, um, written by depressed French people who are clearly anime fans, because <laughs> bonkers shit happens in these games, then this may be the series for you. Um, yeah, I finished, I finished the first four chapters now, and I Probably important wow. that I finish the fourth chapter because the fourth chapter is where, like, the first time the rats appear in the beginning of the game, for anybody who doesn't actually know what Plague Tale is, it is a game about a rat play, and they are big on there, lots of rats on screen tech, and they I will eat rat. you alive if you are in the shadows because they're scared of light, and that's the whole big part of the dynamic. Like, it's rats and soldiers, rats and soldiers, and, like, swarming between the two. Is, boy, there are... Wait until you get near the end of chapter four, and then you will get the actual tsunami of rats. And it is it is something to behold. Ew. 
Or, like, um, I remember the first, like, rat wave in the first one where you fell into the well and, like, mm. all the rats were, like, coming down the well and I was like, ah, oh, no, I'm out. Oh, no, it's, there are, so there are, there are, break. there are more rats. They are quite confident, especially at the, at, oh my god, they really do go all in on the rat. I, I, I kind of want to say, like, what exactly happens and why it's so awesome, but that's, like, a small <laughs> spoiler for, like, this kind of cool shit is going down moment. Well, that. So and yeah, I'm gonna the, have to leave the... that there. I do wonder how like I, it's easy to forget that these games are actually developed by like fairly small teams because they're like yeah. very like visually like kind of like holding up. But boy, it feels like this game is actually struggling to run on the PlayStation Five. Really? Um, a part of that, my my initial advice, and I this advice at least I would imagine would go for the Series X as well, is um turn up the speed on the camera control. Um, it's really, really sluggish, especially... I came to this from um, the PS5 version of Ghost of Tsushima, which was a very weird one, because I commented on this po- podcast that there was some sort of secret water in, like, perfect frame pacing or something in Sony's first-party developers where 30 frames per second often felt almost as good as 60. And then I learned yeah. later on, I checked the Digital Foundry video, that even though they had a performance and quality mode in Ghost of Tsushima, it was completely pointless because they post-ran at a lock 60 anyway. Um, this definitely does not run on a lock 60. It runs more or less pretty close to 30, but there is a lot of screen yeah. tearing when it gets, like, um, high up. And, like, that sluggish camera, you need to turn those speeds up a little bit because it, it, it's weird because it, it makes me want to, like, hit the pause menu and, like, drop the shadow detail or something just to, like, try and get it to, like, hold its shit together. Oh, like, just a little God. bit more, but, like, all you can do is turn off chromatic aberration, which I fucking hate, so that's already off anyway. Yeah. Is this specific to Xbox, or do you think that there'd be similar issues for PlayStation? Well, I'm playing... Again, I'm... Sorry, I got this mixed up. I'm playing on PS5. Um, oh, and you're still getting the screen tear. Yeah. yeah. So, oh. I mean, Series X is, on paper, actually a little bit more powerful, and maybe it's, okay. like, just enough... Just enough to, like, lock that in. Mm. Perhaps. Because, um, I mean, if you, like... I mean, this is a linear game. Like, like, that has to be stressed. Like, there are some open, more open areas, and that's when that's... Or, like, intense scenes, and that's when that happens. Um, and it is very nice to be playing a linear game after, like, a bunch of open-world stuff, because open-world games, like, for all the usage of the world, world, word, world, they you, they you never feel like you're in a place in any of those. It's always just expendable scenery, even if you're in a town most yeah. of the time. Like, occasionally you get something like The Witcher 3, and the fact that I'm pulling back to a game from seven years ago <laughs> says a lot about how much of a big fucking deal it is when you get a game where you feel like it's a real place so even though this yeah. is basically kind of you know corridors are like you know just conveniently cornered off by you know a collapsed wall or people standing in the way or whatever it they do create a good job of like you feel like you are in this world like this this city that you're visiting is towering over you or these farm fields like the grass is like nice and tall so you can always sneak through it yeah, the first one was absolutely stunning, so I'm keen to check out the second. I would be very keen to see this running on one of those new 4000 series graphic cards that are about to come oh, out. The 4060s? Ugh. I'd say the 49. I mean, if it's not my money, then fuck, fuck it, 4090. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if someone wants to donate us, uh, donate to us a two 4090s, we will happily look after them. I may also need like the rest of the computer as well. I doubt a 4090 um, is going to fit into my yeah. PC box. Um, I don't know if mine would either. <laughs> you know, what? I'll just pay for the rest of the PC. Someone gives me a free forty ninety. I'll, I'll yeah, just give me the forty ninety. I'll, I'll buy, How buy much everything. They... <laughs> They're probably like, a, it like probably what? two thousand bucks or something. Yeah, don't have it's that. not cheap. It's not cheap. <laughs> uh, 
I don't have that kind of money. Yeah. I'll, I would say, like, the pacing in this game, at least a little bit, and before we go to break, does feel a little different, like, of being a lot less um, holding the hands and sneaking. It seems like it's, like, in- encouraging you to be a bit more aggressive. Um, okay. So early on in the first one, it was a. It I remember I my, my memory could be incorrect, but I remember it like being a lot of early on for the first two, three, four chapters, like throwing rocks into pots of helmets so that you would make the noise to distract the guards so you could sneak behind them. Here it is just like sling rocks into their heads and then do shit that will make the rats eat them for you. Oh wow. Um, and so you, some, to, so you controlling the rat swarms? Uh, not di- you're controlling the way the light works sometimes, which obviously ah. if you can get a get a guard to like step out of a safe spot, then you know they're they're chow, and then that will by turn yeah. the rats will swarm around eating the meat, and then that will open up a path that you could walk through, for example. Um, it has alluded to, and we're we're talking about me playing a cult game. With oh, this game is way grosser. Call of the Lamb is adorable. <laughs> wow. At I'm one point in this game, you literally fought... They have no choice but to, like, jump into this back alley where, like, all the butchers have just been dumping all their old meats. Yeah. And their character with you, like, mentions that you've got something in his mouth and you just imagine that and it's like, oh, my... Oh. Oh, that's <laughs> disgusting. Oh, like, the thought of it actually get, just tickles your <laughs> like gag reflex. Like, just touching your lips. <laughs> like, uh, uh. Yuck. Um, I forgot what I was saying before now. <laughs> yeah, it, it alludes right. to it, even like straight up, actually, by alludes to it, I think it just straight up says, like, depending on how you play will affect how your character develops. But it seems yeah. like it's definitely if it had one point in the game, and like it kind of accumulates in a set piece ish moment, actually, where you are killing a lot of dudes. Yeah. Um, so, I remember like, killing a lot of people in the first one. Hmm. And, I mean, at some point, it's like, oh, like, these people are killing other innocent people, and, and like, then it, like, it will hang, like, a time pressure over your head, and it's like, you need to get past these people now, and they will not hesitate to kill you. Um, and I've actually died quite a bit in this, actually, so thank the, thank, um, thank the SSDs there, because it's, like, getting straight back into it, but it's like, yeah, I mean, this, it, the, the world feels very kill or be killed, um, although I'm hoping, like, right. the options for stealth maybe open up a bit more once it gets through these opening chapters, yeah, I struggle with stealth, although in the first one I found it very, um, like you said, hand-holding, and it was very um, easy for me to get through those scenarios where well, you are hand-holding stealth. in both a metaphorical and literal sense, where you literally have yeah. your brother with you and, like... <laughs> yeah, you have to come with me. Let's go. Because I struggled with games like um, Shadows of Mordor, and I wanted nothing more than to, like, finish that game. Couldn't. Because of the stealth missions, they oh. like ruined my life. Okay, I had something I were getting a little bit distracted. I before I upgraded my PlayStation Plus, I was playing Shadows of War, and I remember so Shadows of War and Shadows of Mordor. For you and anybody listening who has maybe struggled with this in the past, are a stealth game in the same way that the Burnout games are driving games. It's you know you're basically smashing into stuff. It is an arcade stealth game, like. At some point in those games, you don't care about being seen. You just stab all the dudes really, really fast. I couldn't even get past that bit. Oh, dear. No, I had to have... I had to stop <laughs> taking the cell... Basically, once I stopped taking the cell seriously in those games and realized that oh. you just become radically overpowered and you're, like, just death from all angles... Yeah. That's, that's basically... Yeah. That That's the attitude you need to take with those, so it's... Just kill them all. 
if if Gran Turismo is true stealth, then like you're actually playing fucking Burnout or something. If <laughs> hey, I still like Burnout. Burnout is more fun than Gran Turismo. <laughs> Burnout Three, in my memory at least, is maybe the perfect racing game. Uh, I can't. I don't think I played Three. I'm gonna have to play oh, it again. It's a, it's a PS2 game that may, that may be going back a little bit too far. Not at all. <laughs> you get that remaster of Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. That is also very good. Oh, I have that. Okay. That you should play. All right, we are getting distracted, so you know what? Yes. Since that Hot Pursuit is both PS4, but might be a good Switch game, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, what we think does or doesn't make for a good handheld or portable experience. And I have to, like, note to myself that if I'm remembering correctly, I think if you want to waste your money, you could spend, I believe, $90 or more Australian to buy a cloud version of a Plague Tale Requiem on your Switch. (laughs) $90? Yeah! What? For a digital copy? For a cloud copy, so you can't even play it on the train unless you have the most amazing phone contract on the face of the earth. And that's not happening in Australia. And so, honest. yeah, it's it is oh, Australia's phone internet is actually apparently pretty up there. But unless you're not, if you're on Optus, you're not. Well, it is. It's just you know everybody else has your credit card information. Um, <laughs> oh, forgot about that. Yeah, but like the the point of that is like I'm I mean I'm obviously playing Plague Tale Requiem on PS5 and yeah. even if it ran natively on Switch and kind of ran okay, like this is just not a game I think I would want to play on the train. No. No. You'd want that big screen, that HDR, whatever high-def TV you've got um, running with your, you know, the whatever. Is it next? Do we call PlayStation 5 next-gen? Current-gen. It, it's super Current weird because, gen. like, it's the cross-gen period has been so long. Yeah. I'm not too sure what to call it. Just more powerful version. <laughs> the, the, the it's, it's still current-gen, gen. I guess. Yeah, current gen. Yeah, let's go with that. Um, you'd want that, uh, you know, high definition for for something so spectacular and beautiful that um, I think putting it on a Switch just wouldn't be beneficial to the story, to your visual experience. My think is, like, even if the Switch, like, let's say two years from now, Nintendo comes out with the Super Switch, and I'm... One, I still like the name Super Switch. I think that's cute and funny and, like, <laughs> calls back to the Super Nintendo. And two, I think it's just what's going to happen. I don't think... People keep talking about a Switch Pro. We're not going to see, like, a PS4 Pro, Xbox One X. We're just going to see the new generation Switch, and it'll be backward compatible, yeah. compatible, and that'll be it. Even if they do that, this is still not something... Because I would literally play it exclusively in docked mode. Like, just 
the way like the game is the pay the pa- yeah. pacing the lighting the way that the you want to set aside a certain chunk of time like and sit into a session just would not work with portable gaming which is something that really stands yeah. out because like a phrase that I've heard and myself said numerous times so heard a lot over the last four or five years is oh I wish this was on Switch this would be so good on the Switch <laughs> it's just kind of like led me to um, say actually you know what this subject has actually come about largely because I said I was going to talk about No More Heroes 3 and then I wasn't so it's like what is a subject that kind of let me get back into this a little bit is so what really actually makes a you know what separates the wheat from the chaff like what makes something work as a portable game yeah, absolutely. I um I'm a big portable gamer. I take my Nintendo Switch everywhere, except I didn't take it to PAX because I was worried it'd get broken in my luggage. So I don't. Why a good case? I do. It's just paranoia. Um, terrible experience with luggage handlers lately. So, no thanks. Um, but yeah, I I'd like to take my Switch over to my niece's house. I think um for me portability is about it being accessible while I'm there playing it, that I can enjoy it elsewhere, that I can see as someone with low vision, I need to be able to see stuff. Mm. So if it's got too much detail, too much going on, uh, uh, stuff that needs subtitles, because I subtitle everything. Actually, to its (laughs) infinite credit, um, Plague Requiem actually has a subtitle size scaler. Yes, I love those. Which is They're nice. So Although it was still to my absolute heartbreak that I could not pay enough attention to what was going on and play the game in French at the same time and I had to switch it to the English dub. Huh. Play it in French. Um, but yeah, I think that those are what's really important when it comes to, for me, with handheld games. So that could, you know, there's endless possibilities of games that aren't on Switch that could make it to Switch. I mean, it's it's very easy to, like, just see the indie pixel art game and immediately go, that's a Switch thing. And a lot of the time, that probably rings true. But I think, like, just the approach and, like, the mechanical complexities also maybe affect that. So it's why, like, the No More Heroes 3 thing was, like, fascinating me so much. Because, you know, um, Adam reviewed it when it came out just over a year ago. Switch version, then I was at the PS5 version. That one definitely runs like butter. Um, That's, like, a very sharp... But then it's just got this gigantic, empty, empty overworld, like, at its best in these craziest box, boss fights in a spectacle, which is something that you probably want to play on your TV, because you also need to be locked in. Like, if you were on a train and, like, you needed to pay attention to your next stop, it would not work. But yeah. the worst parts of those game, that game is this empty, boring, boring overworld, which I'm don't, not sure if it's a hangover from just that's how it was on the Wii and we're calling back, or if this is the bit that okay, you're playing on a Switch and so you get this and this is kind of your grinded-out bit while you're, like, in transport and then you dock it back when you get home. Yeah. Kind of scenario. Because I think that's... For the longest time, I've had a theory that the reason Japan was so big on handhelds... Because um, remember, like, the DS and um, PSP generation? Like, even the PSP went yeah. freaking nuts. And I, th- and I think a lot of it is you've got a lot of people on public transport who are just brain-dead from a work culture that is... So they don't necessarily work very hard, but they have to work long. Like, it's very difficult to, like, yeah. get out on time. And so, I, and grind, I think, it just happens to work well if you're tired and you're on a train, standing up or sitting down. 
So I think that has become like a part of what would actually make a handheld game is either by force or by option a chance to be able to go out and just do something that will be beneficial to your core ex- experience but is not actually it. Yeah. I find that a lot of um, the adventure games I can't give that full attention to unless I'm sitting docked what like playing at home. I can't I can't give it that attention while I'm on my train between like Sydney and where I live or um you know sitting in my staff room if I decide I want to play a game because it would detract from the core experience of the game for me. Yeah, it's I don't know, but it's also, I guess, fascinating now, especially with the Switch being what it is, because there definitely clearly used to be a time when Nintendo had, like, its A-team and B-team, or A-teams mm. and B-teams, and the A-teams were making the Super Nintendo, GameCube, whatever, and then, you know, the B-team was doing Game Boy DS stuff, and, like, that's kind of all being brought together now. Yeah. Now that I... Th- yeah, and and that that is with that docking option, and then, hmm. you know which we didn't have previously. And and then you do see that um, the more games that are coming to, like you said, being made, like, streamlined, like the the handheld games and the console games being streamlined, uh, similar to, like, um, having Dance Dance Revolution on there now. What is it? What is is that what it's called I don't now? Know, thumb, thumb, um, pressy, pressy, I'm not... Uh, dance Dance, um, oh, you know, the one... Dance. Is it, is it Ubisoft dance? one? I'm not... yeah. I think it might actually just be less dance. I could be wrong. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put know. my thumb on that one. And say definitely. I'm, but. I don't know. I. But it's like you know. You can. You can have it wherever you want. That actually kind of works in the sense that, like, obviously you would not play that in the train. But as much as no. much as people were mocking <laughs> the idea and like the initial reveals of like taking the switch to the party. Do it. No, it, it actually. <laughs> um, especially with a dance game, like it's just this dumb thing. You can give just take those things off and give them to people, like. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's great. like they finally realized what they were going for with that dumbass carry handle on the back of the GameCube. <laughs> Which... I wasn't allowed to take my GameCube anywhere. Oh. Because you might lose it. Might break it. Break, break it, lose fingers. it. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, because you, you just have to take like the power brick and all the AV cables and everything with you, so it's just gonna, yeah. there's this dumb practical idea. But the Switch has <laughs> kind of finally realised what that was going at. Yeah, that um, portability that we that we have now, anyway. So I am, um, yeah. I don't know. I like when it comes to handheld games. For me, it's also visuals. Like I've said, not only just reading subtitles and being able to follow the game, but being able to process everything that's happening as well. And like you said before about the whole, you look at certain, you know, pixel art and associate it immediately with Nintendo. There are games that I play that look great and are complex, um, that are great on Nintendo, but there are some that I play on PlayStation that just wouldn't make it over to Nintendo. Like it wouldn't convert. Mm. In the way that it does for console. Well, I actually took a note down saying that I feel like Uncharted The Golden Abyss, like that launch Vita game, just seems like one of the most misguided pieces of it. Like that type of... Like, sure, they pulled off an Uncharted on a handheld, but one, it was the weakest Uncharted, and two, it like this... This is a difficult game to play. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. And also there's a bit where like they're trying to and you had to hold the camera up to the sun 
to light to like to reveal like a hidden. Me- I can't remember. It's like a light sensitive piece of paper in the game or something. Just as my oh, bus oh. went through a friggin' tunnel, so I just had to sit there dumbly for like three minutes, not able to do anything because I had no light source. Oh, that sounds horrible. No, no. What was that on? Um, so that was Vita, and I loved the Vita dearly, oh, okay. but like that yeah. that. And that game was like just kind of just okay, but it just never really took advantage of. Um, although I have, we'll say that like a lot of classic old school RPGs, like I actually played Final Fantasy VII the original again on Vita, benefit from that, and they benefit more with the certain Series X feature, being from being a handheld simply because when you take these games with these unforgiving save systems. And that are sometimes a bit, you know, kind of grind you like just freaking random battles I have to deal with this shit. Having it in your pocket and having a sleep mode so you can effectively turn it off and not lose your progress. Yeah. Is actually, for people who grew up in the 90s with that shit, is actually a pretty huge <laughs> convenience. No staying up to 3am 3 3 to try and get a game finished because you can't save. Because there's no save spot. I mean, modern game design is generally more considerate of that now, but... Yeah. That was a big deal, like, even even on the Vita, especially on the um, DS, you just, like, snap that thing shot, and it made some games immediately, immediately, of course, you could only do one at a time, like, that multi-state game pausing is some, on the Series X is something that would be amazing, especially on Switch. Yeah, that it, I find that really interesting, because there are games that I am playing simultaneously. Hmm. So, like, I'm um, playing Cold of the Lamb on PS5 and on my Switch, but... I play a whole bunch of simulation games, and if I could just switch between mine and just be like, hold that for a sec, I want to go see what's going on here. I'm going to go do that, and I'm going to fix this, and then I'm going to come back. And then being able to, like, seamlessly transition between the two games, is that what happens on X? Where you can, like, have the multi-pause? Um, it's basically, so, if even on a PS5, it's like, alright, I done with this game for now, I'm just gonna, like, hit the PlayStation button, it goes in the background. If I open a new game, then the game I was playing will shut down. Yeah. And have to, but, but I don't know how many, but you maybe get five or six on the Xbox, it's like, it just keeps, like, your current PlayState in, like, local memory. So oh, you could just, sweet. like, just That'd jump. Be so good. And especially on a handheld, I think it would be, like, the... Mm. Most, but one thing that, um, got me, because, I mean, the, there used to be, like, a huge just philosophy difference between how Nintendo's handheld games would be made and how the main console games would be made. Um, some of it would be down to power, just like what the hardware could do, but it, or, or screen, but some of it's probably also down to like factoring in screen size or even just the way people, smaller stages, for example, in a handheld yeah. game. Um, a game that I bounced off of, but still respect it in the form of a certain Zelda Breath of the Wild yeah. Is a fascinating one to me because I actually didn't have a Switch. I have a launch era Switch, but I got it about a year after it came out. So I got it like just late enough to not have had the launch excitement, but also, you know, just early enough to not get the bigger battery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but playing that on um, the Wii U, which I actually owned one of those things, holy crap, was a weirdly yeah. compromised. Because <laughs> one, like, it was immediately apparent that they had ripped out functionality for the Wii U's gamepad to make it more appealing on a Switch. Yeah, I don't um, really remember it from Wii. Because it was actually developed for Wii U and they did release it, but yeah. there, there was clearly supposed to be this functionality for that oh. dumbass tablet thing that they had just taken out. And it's in the game, like, you can see Link is holding, like, the in-game ancient world equivalent of the Wii U gamepad, and they've just taken that stuff out. 
But the th- that game actually frustrated me a lot because, like, fuck rain in that game. Like, it that game doesn't respect you. If you cannot take it with you, if you cannot pause the save state, that game does not respect your time. You can waste so much time, like, trying to test it out, which would be mitigated hugely if it was just something It's like, all right, I'm just going to continue my adventure while I'm, you know, on my way to work. Whereas I'm like, this was the free hour I had between shifts and nothing happened. <laughs> and I did nothing. I got most of the way up the mountain, it rained and I fell down again. I hate this experience oh. right now. <laughs> yeah. But being portable would probably... killed me. And then, like, if you need to, like, dock up for the, like, the big boss fights or something, if that makes it easier. Yeah, I did find myself doing that. So I could sit and concentrate and dedicate time to it. Um, I didn't, I didn't even finish Breath of the Wild. I think a lot of, of people did. Reason. I think a lot of people clocked, like, 200 hours and were just ex- out exploring oh, wow. shit. And then... I can't do Breath of the Wild. You, you, you'll lose me. <laughs> yeah, I have a limited open world tolerance but I still seem like everything I see coming out of that game just looks so inventive and like amazing the way that all the systems play together that I'm like yeah I want to try this again one day or maybe the tears of the kingdom especially since I like I don't know who pointed it out the name progression press of the wild tears of the so we've gone from wild to kingdom we've gone from breath to tears so breath tears when you something else that comes out of your face so it's going to be like now no. boogers of the empire or something is going to be <laughs> yeah. Boogers of the King or something like that. <laughs> Earwax? Is that next? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was... Um, I guess before all, like before the indie onslaught, and to be fair, a lot a lot of indie games, maybe that's why we're getting so many roguelikes now, because they do work. Yeah. Like, they're not a game that you'd want to sit down in front of your TV and like, oh, I'm dead again, one more try. Like, it's almost disheartening, but if you're on the train, it's like on... The difference between this is what I'm going to do tonight versus I've got another five minutes before my stop. Yeah. Just the way it changes your mental approach. Because I, I do have like like so many people, so many of these games that I bought and seen cheap going, these look really fun. But then it's like going, I've, if I've made the ritual of like sitting down on my PC and booting everything up and I'm good to go and I'm like, I don't know if I want to play something that works in these seven minute loops. Yeah. I find myself playing uh, games like Death Store on Switch when I just want to go like do a little bit of a rogue, uh, roguelike game and just get something like a small mission done. Um, Monster Hunter Rise I play if I'm just trying to like do something, <laughs> even you know like on public transport. I think um, that's why Monster Hunter was so huge in Japan in like 2010 ish yeah. era. Yeah, absolutely. Which I did. Insane. It still is not. It's not. What, but you used to literally see like groups of, like, four 17-year-olds around, like, just standing wow. around with their, like, PSPs yeah. out, like, just networking it together. Like, that actually looks super cool, and I wish it had happened in the West, because everyone here yeah. is just playing Call of Duty on the internet, and I don't have any interest in that, but this is, like, yeah. a weirdly unique, <laughs> fun social thing. I could just imagine, like, going to, like, yeah. a, if it's happened now, like, going to a bar with some mates, and, like, kind of, like, on one hand, you're, like, <laughs> all just playing games, and you just got, like, a fancy whiskey or, like, a craft beer with you. Oh, sounds like the perfect night, to be honest. I would... Honestly, yeah. That's what he'd totally that. be down for that. <laughs> um, and I would like, I want to be a classy, like, quiet bar as well. Like, gaming bars are yeah, just kind of like a, just blaze of distractions a lot of the times that I'm... Mm. No, I want a nice whiskey bar. I wish I liked whiskey. It's so cheap here. I don't really like whiskey. I like I the idea of liking whiskey. Nice. Yeah, I, I like I, the I idea. I <laughs> love the idea of liking whiskey. 
But yeah, it's um. That's where I'm at too. You know, if we're like kind of rolling through this a little bit, is that I think it's going to be like fascinating to see how the Steam Deck affects mm. like some of this design stuff because it a huge part of the appeal is like, oh, cool, you can play you know a game like Control, which is still quite system intensive, and like take it with you, and the Switch could never hope to run that. But for me, I think a bigger part of it is like all of these games that I bought that I told myself I'd play that might oh. actually like make more sense. Or actually, in my case, there are some Steam Deck alternatives. One that's like a little more expensive and a little less powerful, but actually portable might yeah, be the way to go. I'm, just looking at the, I'm looking at the specs for the Steam Deck. And well, specs don't uh, really say everything these days is kind of hard. Yeah, true. That is true. But this is a great foundation to have a look at, and it, look, I'm excited for it. I really, I really want to see how it plays. They did have them at PAX, but I didn't take a look at them. I'm guessing hour-long queues as well. Oh, uh, ridiculous amount of people waiting to look at it. So I was like, ah, oh, it's all right. I'll just wait until someone I know. I think gets a year off. from now, this kind of form, like it seems like a lot of the imitators as well are actually pretty good. Like this is going to yeah. become a thing that ha- just happens. It's going to be an interesting dilemma for Nintendo to potentially have to deal with actually. Cause I feel like the switch is maybe not an end game for them, but definitely like a next big shift. Yeah. In handheld. Absolutely. Because you know, you're always going to have your Nintendo like fans that are going to solely stick to Nintendo, but then you have those people um, that bridge the the gap, you know, that are playing Nintendo and PC, and so oh, it's Nintendo be and PlayStation, or yeah, like just most of us. Well. It's like I mean, mm. the Switch is never going to be my. So long as I'm able to play at home, the Switch is never going to be my main console. But it is also yeah. the only place I can play Mario. Like, True. or actually, the, the perfect, Mansion. the perfect Switch game. In the form of Fire Emblem Three Houses. <laughs> I haven't played that yet. It's. I just feel like I'm going to lose a lot of well, time. I feel like this is a genre that maybe also just works... Well, you will lose a lot of time, but it is brilliantly written. It may be the best written game I've come across in like the last half decade. It is crazy how well it does the multiple angles of a story thing. Um, but I guess by t- dint of like being turn-based during its combat, that just works for handhelds, I think, like quite naturally. Yeah. It's, it's very easy to like go, okay... Look up, still on at my station, next turn, look up, still on at my station, and it doesn't take you out too much. And, like, it's yeah. kind of more, like, social, basic questing experiment between. Like, it just facilitates. But it's also, like, just super immersive, so you could sit on the sofa and, like, play it for, like, two hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of that, um, like, one of those games, like, types of games where you are going to get stuck. And I have missed my train because of games like that. I've missed my stop oh, wow. because of games like that. I've, yeah, I can get really stuck into things. I have missed <laughs> one bus stop in my life. No, oh, lucky you. Oh, wait, no. I've, <laughs> no, I, as in, but I, it was when I just moved to London a few months in, and it was like coming into winter, so it was getting quite cold, and I just did not, I was so into Luminous, I like just rode the entire bus route. And didn't get off until the bus driver told me, it's like, hey, <laughs> hey like, this is it. <laughs> and I'm like, I need to figure... And this is pre-smartphone, so like, figuring out the bus back again at night. <laughs> oh, no thanks. I don't remember how I did it, but it was... Had to make... impressive, though. So, yeah, Luminous is a wee one, because Tetris is like, in some ways, seen as like the quintessential handheld game. And you can... Yeah. You can kind of see why, because it like... It would... It just fits on a Game Boy, and it plays very well automatically... 
And normally you would get a game over quickly enough that it's kind of like an next round, but if you really, really get into it, it's actually super dangerous. And Luminous Switch, one of my favorite games ever, but, like, that big dangerous thing, like, never really... That game needs to, like, have, like, four, four stages clear and you save and you can pick up next time because it is, like, over an hour easily if you're going to try and, like, run that entire thing. Oh, just one stage. Well, no, because, like, what each stage you get, you kind of unlock and you can go play it again individually, but... Oh, okay. Gotcha. You always start from the beginning. So, like, the better you get, like, the longer these sessions are going. And it does have that oh. sleep mode, but my god, I... But also, I mean... To the game's credit, I missed my stop because I was, like, just so, so heavily invested in it. Oh, it's good to be that invested. But yeah, I guess puzzle games are, for the most part, like, a pretty natural fit. I wonder how the Portal... I wonder how Portal feels on the Switch. Like, that, that did come out quite recently, and apparently by all counts, it was a good... Okay, I didn't know it... This is how out of the loop I am with games. So... <laughs> I try to stay on top of things, and I normally catch up with everything on P2, like, through our, like, group chats and stuff. And I did not know Portal was on Switch, so that's a new it's, one for me. Yeah. I guess I... It may have, like, like extra multiplayer possibilities. Like, I wonder if, like, they've taken those little things, that the trade coins out and, like, playing. Yeah. Because that is, like, a small advantage. Like, it's nice to be able to, like, put the thing up at work and, like, play Mario Kart if you have, like, just one friend. Like, it's not the prime experience, but again, like... It, it's the same reason, so I've got... Yeah, I'm not wearing them at the moment, like, standard Sony Bluetooth headphones. I also have, like, a way fancier pair out in the living room plugged near my receiver, but at some point, like, while one clearly outperforms the other, like, just the convenience just needs must, like, the time and ability and space to do kind of wins out. Yeah. And I think that's where the Switch has gotten so much of a success from. Oh yeah, I have a group of kids who sit on the silver benches undercover and they play Super Smash Brothers every recess on lunch. Oh my god, silver benches. The silver benches. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Like, that is the most Australian schoolyard shit imaginable. Oh, it is. Yeah, right near the Oval, they're on the silver benches. There's three of them and they play... One is Kirby every time. And I don't Oh, I would have loved this if I was... if. If this was happening when I was in high school, it, in my case, it was like this weird. Like a few people had a Game Boy, and it was like a big deal. And yeah. then, like your parents with your um, GameCube, um, I did. I think when I was twelve or thirteen, I bought a Game Boy, and but then it was like my parents were always like terrified I'd lose it, so I wasn't yeah. allowed to take it anywhere. And so they go, "This is the entire like sitting and playing this That's in my bedroom." Point. Actually, it was kind of cool because I didn't have a TV in my bedroom, and sitting and playing in bed, I think, increasingly. And here's stories of people, especially if they've just had kids. That, um, with a Switch or Steam Deck has kind of saved your ability to be able to do this because they can just like put it down next to them in a way or like have it where they need to be with the kid in a way that like wasn't possible yeah in the past but yeah the Steam Deck fascinates because it's gonna like see what games do and don't work on that is it not not in the sense of like what you can and can't run but like what clicks when you're playing it on the Steam Deck yeah and what is and in what circumstances um, is it when you're out and about is it just simply that mm. hey my part my partner whatever is using a tv but i want to be in the same room as her so i'm gonna get i can do this and like put an earphone in and like it's close enough to like my desktop that it's, this is going to do for tonight yeah i'm interested to see what's going to be popular i feel like it should be starting to like bubble to the surface maybe i should actually look into it i've 
Yeah, my, my current thinking in the Steam Deck is I think it's just too bulky, and I think the money I would spend on it yeah. would be better spent just buying those PC games that I want to play in the Switch again. Like, I think I would still yeah. come out on top. <laughs> I'll just like, I could just buy another copy of Undertale and, and, and like, and now look at what I still, even with the portability factor, and what I have time for. Because mm. it is, um, it's still a thousand dollar piece of equipment. Yeah, I like, mean, that's, that's a lot of games. But, Yeah. That's a that's a lot of games and games. like I and by then like the next the next generation is going to be out like it ha- it's been yeah. successful enough that there is going to be another one like Valve had so many flash in the pan hardware things in the past but this one really has caught on it looks like the C- Sega Game Gear that never was um yeah it's one I'll definitely be holding off buying for a little while. I feel bad for Huso though. Like when he was like out of his house for like the better part of a year, like getting renovated, that thing would have been perfect for him. Oh, that was I'm that would have been because he still could have used it as a desktop in an emergency. Um, actually, I wonder if it's going to replace laptops for some people. Like, if it's, it's going, I don't think yeah. it'll kill the gaming laptop because obviously you can still get like the portable version of the thirty sixty whatever, but. Mm. it's going to stick I could see it serving that purpose like I just plug it in for like basic word processing when I get home but fuck this I'm playing Forza or whatever in the office like <laughs> stuff doing my actual work at my job <laughs> and how we're, and then, now we're at this weird spot where like 10 years ago we would have been talking about all the possibilities like they're going to figure out phone games and I guess they did figure out phone games it's just it was just a really predatory boring way to make lots of money without very interesting Absolutely, like, and and you get the occasional Monument Valley, but oh. like, yeah, free to play kind of killed. Yeah, and it's weird That's to bitch about something being free, but the reason it's free is they actually make way more money that way. Like, <laughs> yeah, we were explaining that to some of my Year Twelve students uh, the other day how that works, and they were mind blown. So. <laughs> Because at some point you're like going, yeah, ninety dollars is a better deal to get all these fake currency that I can use to buy all these extra turns to break all these bricks in this. Ugh. Um. Although I do actually want to give a shout out because it weirdly gets overlooked. Is like Netflix does actually have some decent, decent games in their Android, and I believe probably iOS oh, um, library. The big one being Into the Breach, which is a perfect portable game. Okay. Um, for anybody who doesn't, it's not that old. But I mean, that's a small grid space, but very well done, like turn-based strategy game. Um, would absolutely work on a screen. Moonlighter, which is a not bad little dungeon crawler, being set to auto attack, so it plays better on a phone. It might be better on a console, but you know, it works okay. Um, Before Your Eyes, which is a game I never finished on PC, which is a kind of like controlled literally by blinking. What? This is like this actually the second it's like this is you kind of like going through stages of your life and every and every time you blink you kind of like move, within story beats you kind of move to the next stage that you're like observing and then like sometimes you'd look left oh, or wow. right to like choices. And it's actually a super interesting title. I'm like on yeah, that makes so much sense on a smartphone. Oh my god, they all have selfie cams. <laughs> They're watching. I don't I the only catch is like that one would not be a before bed. Like you would actually have to play that one in decent lighting. Oh, okay, yeah. So, and I think a couple of others as well, so there's actually some, like, pretty okay things there that might work. It's just it's being drowned out. Yeah. So poorly. Well, Netflix isn't, uh, or I don't see a lot from Netflix 
about their gaming. No, they've done a very bad job of um. Yeah. Of but launching it, it. I think if you just open the phone up, I'll take a look now. Yeah, they actually have a tab next to home saying games, but I think most people just immediately start scrolling and looking at what's in the middle of the screen. I'm gonna have a look. So I mean, they've got some obvious like, oh, look at look at this piratey thing or this kind of click on the cute critic nonsense as well. Wait, Oxenfree's there. Oh, I love Oxenfree. Everyone should absolutely play that. Shadow Remastered. Um, I don't know how well Shadow would play on a phone. Interesting. So, yeah, there's also shit like just here's a domino game and here's a solitaire game and whatever, but a few things like littered in there are actually like, oh, they've actually like, yeah. And I guess it makes sense. Like you're paying for a subscription with Netflix anyway. So like there's not much incentive for them to um do the, do the buy all the coins mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. And they've already introduced like that um, cheaper subscription service. So I'm wondering. Oh, maybe that will introduce it. The- coins mechanic god don't don't get me down cat <laughs> i'm just saying maybe there will be something introduced or it'll be or maybe you just wouldn't have access to the games or something i think that yeah they're being very very stingy with that understandably so i guess yeah um well they've got to they're gonna make money you know i mean they're, they're making money the problem is that the you know sharehold nature of having shareholders you're expected to always make more money and what do you do when you're a video streaming giant that goes for a year where everybody's locked indoors, but when they go outdoors again, of course some of them are going to cancel. They're going to be losing money. Yeah. It's like you're not losing money, you're just making less money anyway. The world is broken. Yeah. Um, the world is. Um, capitalism sucks. Uh, that's it. That's what I've got about yep. that. Cool, 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 cool. I guess it gave us a switch, I know. Yeah, I have nowhere to go with that. I'm just going to say I think we've probably just extinguished where we can go with. I don't have any master theory about what makes a good pull of a game there are certain things that do and don't yeah. work absolutely and there's it's all individualistic as well like what people their preferences and game preferences and yeah i'd be curious hmm. to hear what everyone else wants to see on switch or on a oh why why you think how... what i should have done if i was willing to put in like way too much work would have been to make a list of all <laughs> the things that people said this would be perfect on switch and like try and figure out exactly why you feel it is i why? think definitely like the one more go thing like the the short burst one will go like stuff like um was it shell not shell um I've forgotten the name of a very famous Metroidvania Hollow Knight oh it was like just seen as like a just came to life on the Switch in a way it never did in the PlayStation yeah. um I think it is actually my last theory of the night is I was playing that in PS four or PS five and just gradually kind of getting like I got tired like it's tiring to play in long bursts. But I guess yeah. the bursts are inevitably shorter a lot of the time if you're playing it on a handheld anyway. You just kind of like put it down and do something else in a way that you don't if you're like settled in in front of the TV. That's probably the difference between your Nintendo and your the, the PlayStation popularity of the title. Maybe it's just a big part of it, like just pacing, I guess. Um, yeah. Anyway, Kat, um, thank you for staying the course. Like we did, I did need to record this tonight. We had internet <laughs> issues elsewhere in the country. Um, it's all good. Do you have anything coming from the site or elsewhere that you'd like to, you know, just pimp out quickly before? Not. I am meant to be working on a piece for P2. Um, but meant I think to be? I'm, okay. It's the <laughs> horror games column that I work on. Uh-huh. Um, I took some time off just to get my placement and my university degree finished, but that I makes will sense. be back into it, <laughs> hopefully. 
Um, playing some horror games. Are we um, making an effort yeah. to get this one out in time for Halloween, or is it just when it lands, it lands? Uh, just when it lands, it lands. It's, yeah, just when I find some time to actually finish a game. I was playing Alien Isolation, and it terrified Apparently me. Apparently a very good Switchboard. So. Um. Okay, interesting. I'd like, you know what, I can probably handle it on Switch. Not on my, <laughs> Maybe like, Maybe it's the appeal of Switches <laughs> to make horror games more bearable for, like, squirmish people. Yeah. Make them really small so I can't see things, and that's perfect. And give me an excuse to not be able to control the lighting. So, no, it has to be light outside. It's just how it is in this train. I'm on the train. I or can't on this scream. bus. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, but, um, that's about well. it. That's about all I'm doing. So, all right, yeah. Twitter handle, anything you want to... Um, at CutStead underscore. You can find everything that I do on P2 and outside of P2 there. So yeah, I'm I'm doing some horror stuff. Uh, my book is meant to come out this week, so um, it's on hold on Amazon. So thanks, uh, thanks for that. You want to give us the full details of that one as well, then, actually? If people <laughs> like just go in and type Casted's book, I don't know if that's really gonna. Um, true. It is called Here I Scream: The Voices of Horror, Volume Two. It is an anthology dedicated to. Uh, minorities in horror and giving them a platform to share their stories of how horror movies and horror genre has changed their lives. Cool. So you actually did have quite a bit on the plate in the end. Just I a, do. Just a whole when book. I think about just... It. just a whole book. Oh well, it's because it's like getting ready to go already. I'm not yeah. working on it, so it's like it's out well, there in the ether. <laughs> I mean, in many of my case, I had surprise drop for me earlier today is like a piece I wrote for IGN a while ago and like did the interview for back in July. So these things do take. <laughs> a while, yeah. Sometimes just like to get out there. Um, yeah, this one's like speaking to some um, local localizers about a new studio that started up in Tokyo a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Um, and just like some of the issues that localizers can like come into in how much they are respected or maybe not as respected enough. Yeah. Absolutely. You, which is job. super interesting because the last piece I did for IGN was an interview with um, Hideki Kamiya. So. <laughs> With all the platinum controversy going around, interesting, like, is a very interesting one-two punch. Yeah. Ooh. Um, on my end. And where do people find that? They would probably find it on IGN. Both of them. <laughs> IGN of them. Is... Although, IGN. I mean, it's the thing is, because it's gone live today when I'm recording it, I don't think I need to give a web, web address for IGN. I think people are going to be able to find that by themselves. I think it's, that's going to be pretty easy. <laughs> it, but, you know, the speed that shit moves on there is like it may be buried in the backyard by the time this podcast goes live. Although, um, big shout out to Cam for letting me keep a link to this podcast in the end of the article in the, like, the author description. <laughs> and I was like, I'm, I'm sure he's going to cut that out. I'm like, you also left the reference to Fairy Bread in there, so maybe...